guys, this is Jill and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Kings podcast. Today I'm joined by one of my favorite guests, Will Zimmerly, Will Z Stats, as you know him. You can find him on Twitter as well as uh, Breaking Down Stats with D'Lo and Casey on 1320. All right. So the first thing uh, we're going to pull off of, and I do want to say you're killing it this week, as always. Um, You and Brendan, like if there's anything I want to look up, I just go to both of your feeds and it's right there already pulled for me. Um, You're saving everybody so much time while also um, enlightening us with really cool stats and facts. So thank you as always. Well, thank you. It's fun to be able to do such a deep dive into a specific team and matchup. And it's been a lot of fun this week, Uh, getting to the point where I'm ready for the games, but uh, I'll continue to kind of look at stats as we get closer. Yep. And the one thing I love that now that we're on this kind of stage is that people like you who have been doing this all season and and pulling, you know, these kind of numbers are being seen by other fan bases, other reporters and things like that. And so just kudos to you for um, for keep killing it. So. Just, I like that. Thanks, Normally Joe. when I we get to this that. stage, it's like, you know, we're talking lottery, draft, um, mm-hmm. coaches, GM. So it's nice to to get a, a different so perspective now yeah. um, going. So, okay. So we'll go with the most recent one that you pulled today. And it was the steal stat. And I think you might be able to include the Warriors turnover stat with that, but take it away. Yeah. So all season I've been kind of tracking how the Kings are so good when they get steals and that really just shows their defensive activity. So when the Kings get at least 10 steals, which is a good amount, uh, they're 16 and two, which is just a ridiculously good record. And pairing that with the Warriors tendency to turn the ball over again, the Warriors lead the league with 16.3 turnovers per game. I feel like that's everyone talks about their ex factor player but for me that's where the x-factor stat comes in can the kings get those steals and get out in transition and get those easy buckets because it feels like the warriors defense is going to turn up in the playoffs it's just what they do they've already shown improvement since the all-star break so it'll be key for me to see if the king can kings can kind of get that momentum on the defensive side to get into some easy offense going off of that did we see an increase this year in that stat based on last season's numbers so it's interesting because the number of games that they got the 10 steals didn't increase last year they had 17 the year before 15 then 18 28 but the effect on winning is just a dramatic change so last okay. year in the 17 games, they went six and 11 before that six and nine, nine and nine, 15 and 13, five and 15. So comparing that to this year's 16 and two, it's just a dramatic turn where that is having a huge effect on their ability to win. Yeah, that's cool. And it very well could be with the particular team that it happened to fall on that night too, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know there were certain nights where even there were times where, they got a hand on the ball. They didn't get the steal, but you know, mm-hmm. deflections um, were there, even if it had, didn't result in a turnover, but maybe it resulted in a missed shot or something like that. Uh, you know, a, a quick 
you know, a forced quick miss shot or something like that. I do feel like we did see um, players in the passing lanes a little bit better. I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like that 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 was something that movement wise, like we saw team movement be a little bit better. Uh, yeah, even if guys are Mike hitting Brown shots and, against us. <laughs> right. And that's something that the coaching staff definitely emphasized this year. Uh, you see it in when Jordy gives out the defensive player of the game chain, he always talks about how many deflections. So it's definitely a point of emphasis in the locker room. So it's nice to see that on the court kind of play out like the coaching staff wants. Yep. Okay. Another stat that I saw you float. Um, I don't know if it was earlier this morning or yesterday, but it was the floater advantage that that you found that the Kings had in this series. Yeah. So again, just as a reminder for everyone out there listening, in case you haven't seen or heard it yet, the Kings have now the highest season on record for two-point field goal percentage in the entire history of the NBA. So they finished the season at 58.6% uh, on their two-point attempts which is just such a high number. And what's amazing about the Kings and their two-point shooting is that they aren't just doing it, say, at the rim or from the mid-range. So if you break it down, there's three areas inside the court, inside the arc on the court. There's the restricted area, the non-restricted paint area, which we call the floater area, and then the mid-range. They're top five in every one of those spots. So... Looking specifically at the floater area, and this is where Fox is just so good. He's taken a huge jump this year in his ability to finish here. Uh, But the Kings as a team shot 47.7%. That's third best in the league. The Warriors opponents, so the Warriors are allowing 47.2%. That's the third third highest in the league. So to me, that's an area that really stood out that the Kings excel in and the Warriors kind of lack in ability to defend. I think that their interior defense at the rim is better than people are kind of expecting with Looney. He's so good in the rim, uh, protecting the rim. I was going to say, Looney, Looney's very good at knowing where to go. Oh, He yeah. puts himself in yeah. good situations. Yeah, and that's where I think some Kings fans, it's – are maybe missing the mark. Like don't expect Looney to just be a pushover with Sabonis, but it's the floater area where I think the Kings can really take advantage. And it's not just Fox. It's the whole team. Um, Herder, Sabonis, they're all shooting well in that spot. Um, So looking at some individual numbers, Fox is shooting 52.9% in the floater area and Herder's at 57.1% which surprised that's really good. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask about Herder is you pulled that number. Um, did that increase from last year? And I know one of the biggest um, pieces that people talked about when he came over was when he got into um, the restricted area, he wasn't always fouled out. Like he didn't get a lot of free throw attempts. I feel like that might have increased this year, but do you have the numbers to confirm that? Yeah, so Herder last year in the floater area was at 51%. So that's a, about 6% jump. And Herder's inside game in general, if you look at just his two-point percentage, um, really as a whole, and not just in the specific spots, but he had a career year 
in his two-point shooting. So last year, he was at 53% on his two-point attempts. And this year, he's at 60.4, which a 7% increase at this point in his career, year five. It's not only shows his ability, but I think the whole Kings offense. um, You don't see much of a jump in his free throws, but I'll take that jump in two-point percentage any day. Okay. Yep. Good. No. And that's, and I feel like so many people try and get around Sabonis for the screen, right? When he's shooting the Mm -hmm. threes that he ends up, you know, getting open threes, but then also when he uses Sabonis off the screens to get into the two point area, I feel like so many of his attempts are still uncontested or he still has a good amount of space. And with his height, he's able to to get over it. But then even his floater game at the at the rim, he's very good at using the backboard, you know, and and working his angles. I felt like mm-hmm. that that um, that that part kind of impressed me just, you know, that I had seen some games in Atlanta, but um, I don't remember that that part of it. So um that's yeah. been and even the cool little drop off passes. Yeah, yes. the drop off passes yes. to Sabonis too. Like yep. there's just so much more to his game. And that's one of the things where it's like I don't know if Warriors fans are ready for that. Um I'm sure and the then Warriors when he, are. They and then know. when Herder's out, Monk comes and does it mm-hmm. right away. That the feel yep. he ha- that Sabonis has with both of them um is huge that you're you know you're losing Herder and Sabonis usually stays and Fox usually ends up going out and then you get Mitchell and Monk. But I feel like the it's not a huge drop off when you then have mm-hmm. Monk and Sabonis working off each other. Um that it's just it's it it's continuing to to punch you. <laughs> yeah. And so much to be able to do all the different things with all the different players. All right. So um the next one was this wasn't your stat, but this was something that Brendan um, put up yesterday, and it was the record mm-hmm. for both teams when they shot 40% from three, and it had the Kings at 22 and six and the Warriors at 27 and 10. So, mm-hmm. okay, I don't think that's too surprising, right? Two really good shooting teams, and with their, when they're on... And with the Warriors, I feel like that's, I mean, that's been their constant during their whole run, that it's like when mm-hmm. they're on from three, you have to be matching them. That, I mean, it's it's hard to keep up if they're, if they're hitting that. But the record when both teams shot under 35%, that to me is where the difference was. Sack was 16 mm-hmm. and 19. So they were only three games under 500 on that. But the Warriors were six and 19. In games, they shot under 35% from three. So I do think that that shows that if you can somehow figure out a way um, to get them struggling from three, that opens up so much more opportunity for Kings. And I know that's not, I mean, that's not going to be easy. Um, You know, and then he goes to continue that the the Warriors lead the league in three-point attempts per game. And they were second in uh, three-point percentage. So, again, so much is reliant on them shooting those threes, but also making them. Yeah, and uh, Brandon's been just killing it all week. Like, uh, Great stuff from him constantly this week. And I think it really shows how the Warriors do rely on that three-point shooting. 
and the Kings, like we talked about with their two point selection, uh, they don't rely on it as much. Like, yes, it's nice to have, but they don't have to hit their threes. And that's exactly what the numbers show. Um, and it does bring a question of, I think the Warriors have the clear advantage from three. The Kings are a three-point shooting team, but the Warriors are like best in the league, um, or at least top, top few. But what other advantages do you think stand out to you on offense for the Warriors over the Kings? Like to me, it seems like the Kings have the better two point percentage and two point shooting. And I don't know, free throw line, maybe kind of a toss up between the two. Yeah, because I will say, I mean, the Warriors don't. I mean, we hear this every every. uh playoff time that or at least from their fans that you know curry doesn't get the whistle that you know like lebron and the lakers get and i agree like i you know mm-hmm. that there are games that i've watched where i'm like okay i mean you've seen it when the warriors play the lakers <laughs> like yeah. we've seen it when the when the lakers play everybody right they there's a huge difference in yeah and the calls they get compared to everyone else but yeah, I mean, I yeah, and but I'm also scared of a playoff whistle and what that's going to come to because the Kings also got bad whistles in the regular season against them. I mean, that one game where Herder was fouled three times right on on the shot and the ref said like, nope, nope, never happened, didn't happen. And then he had to come out and be like, yeah, it did happen. Sorry, like that made a difference. But, you know, he was so adamant that it didn't happen that, you know, he couldn't possibly be wrong. And there were three different fouls on the same play. Um, yeah. And I really don't want to see them getting Sabonis out of the game. That that mm-hmm. would create a huge issue for this team and how important he is. Um, that I just don't, I don't think this, the Kings can afford to have Sabonis be off the court and sustain it. I mean, I would love to be proven wrong, but mm-hmm. that does worry me because of how bad a whistle Sabonis has gotten all year too. Yeah, and you know Draymond's going to be trying to do that. There's going to, I'm sure, be a goal of theirs to try and get Sabonis in foul trouble. Um, but looking at some free throw numbers, Warriors are actually last in the league uh, during the regular season with 20.2 free throw attempts per game compared to the Kings fifth in the league with 25.1. So again, another area that kind of stands out as a Kings advantage when you really look at it. But like you said, who knows what's going to happen with the playoff whistles? It's hard to say. And, and it is. And especially after watching last night, like, it didn't make me feel <laughs> any right? more confident because, yeah. I mean, and we've seen it before, too, that they were letting that game be extremely physical and not calling fouls. And then all of a sudden in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter, it was like, oh, what was not a foul before is a foul now. And the Lakers are going to be in the penalty for the last nine minutes of the game. Like, that's where I felt bad for the Timberwolves. I mean, you had, there was one foul. I'm like, okay, Cat did kind of pull Anthony Davis. But there was another one where the the defense, after Cat had to go down, defender was already backing up. And Anthony Davis is just falling backwards. Like, he he just couldn't stay up. Because he does. He ends up on the ground a lot. Like, we know this. Um, But I'm like, how was that a foul? Like, the guy is going like this backwards. Like, where, where is he hitting? Is he, like, hip-checking you as Davis is already falling back? I mean, so and it's, it's just... the same thing. We're going to see it with Steph. 
on his three-point shots when he falls to the ground. It's going to happen. He's going to just fall when he takes a shot. He may get contact. He may not. But the rest love to call that foul for him if he kind of just kicks out a little. Um, but Steph, he does that a lot. He's so good at it, at that four-point play opportunity where that's going to be part of something to look out for, for sure. Yep. So, yeah, time will tell for us. <laughs> it's been 17 years since mm-hmm. we've seen a playoff whistle, and it wasn't great back then. So I think we're all too a little, yeah. little even more like <laughs> hesitant. But you also had um, a great stat pulled up on um, where you pulled up for each team where it was passes, um, assists, and then potential assists, and where each team kind of fell in in line. Yeah, so... Looking at those for passes, the Warriors were first with 321 and the Kings were fourth with 299. And then assist Warriors, again, first Kings were fourth, 29.8 and 27.3. And then potential assists, which is shots within receiving a pass. So it takes out the the shot making aspect of it. So it's a stat that I really like because it shows more ball movement rather than assists showing ball movement with the caveat of shot making. But again, the Warriors first, Kings third. And it's just going to be such a beautiful series of basketball. Both of these offenses are so fun to watch. They move the ball. They move on offense without the ball. It's just, it's like a dream offensive series. It is. And then I just saw one that you put up from the 10th and you broke down the Warriors record by Steph scoring this season. And I will say Mm -hmm. that was actually pretty interesting to me that like where the the sweet spot kind of fell. Yeah. So looking at Steph's scoring, so when he scores 50 or more points, they were both 50 point games. Uh, They were 0-2, which I thought was interesting. When he scored 40 to 49, they were three and one, 30 to 39, 15 and seven. So a really good percentage for both of those. But it dips at 20 to 29, um, which the Warriors were nine and 14. And then 10 and 10 through 19, they were three and two. So there's kind of that sweet spot for the Kings where maybe just let them get 50. No, but all jokes aside, (laughs) that 20 to 29 point range, um, I think should be kind of the goal. And for me, I think I'd have to look into it more and it would take some time, but um, it might be because his field goal attempts are probably about the same in those games. So that just shows that he's probably not making quite as many. Um, Again, looking at it might show something different, but this team relies on Steph a lot. and he's a huge part of their offense compared to how the Kings kind of spread out their scoring. And you see a lot of different players can get 20 to 30 points on any given night. Yeah. I will say the, the 10 to 19 points kind of surprised me, but it was a small sample size. It was only five games, but they were three and two in that. Mm -hmm. But to me, my guess on that would probably be clay Thompson might've gone off in those games. And so he made Mm -hmm. up for it. Um, other than that, I'm kind of curious, but yeah, I, I agree. And then there was also something, um, that was, you mentioned this on, on your feed, um, 
and I missed it in the segment, but on 1320, he mentioned how it's going to be harder for Curry in the sense that he can't just, this goes back to your point of the Kings have so many scores in the movement. Curry can't just kind of rest and stand in the corner. Like if the Kings do what they're supposed to do and they have constant movement that guys aren't going to get rest, right? Like the, on defensive side, like you're not going to be able to to rest at all. And so they're going to have to play their movement offense while also guarding a movement offense on mm-hmm. the other side. And I want to say, I feel like the last team we saw the Warriors kind of do that against was Houston, right? And then Houston kind of fell apart. Um, but mm-hmm. it also showed where Houston almost took that series over, right? And most likely think that they would have won the championship that year. But Thoughts on that? Yeah, so it was Kenny. Okay, so it was Kenny Caraway that brought that up when he was talking with Bonte um, on ESPN thirteen twenty, and I thought a really interesting point how that that's something that they haven't really had to guard a team like the Kings before. So I wanted to go back and look at kind of what Steph has done defensively against the Kings, and it's hard because the first three games were so early in the season that it's hard to really look at those games and take much back from the numbers. But I just wanted to kind of see who was Steph on the most. And it turns out it was actually Keegan Murray. So he guarded Keegan 13 minutes and 16 seconds, which was the most of any Kings player. Second is Herder. If you look at Keegan, especially at the beginning of the season compared to now, He's grown so much. It feels like he moves more off the ball. He's doing more movement shooting, more backdoor cuts that we've seen a lot, especially since the all-star break. So even if Steph is on Keegan, that's not a break for him. And especially if he's on Herder, the Herder runs around so much and is always navigating screens. And it's basically like the Warriors with Mike Brown and having the similar offense that they're having to guard an offense and Steph just can't really, I don't want to say hidden because he's taken so many defensive strides in the last few years, uh, but he's not going to get breaks on the defensive side. Um, You also pulled up, I don't know if it was you or Brendan that had the, the three NBA teams um, that shot over 40%. With six field goal attempts. Yeah, that one was Brendan. Uh, okay. See, you're both just pulling them out this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to find it. But, but again, it goes back to, to yes. what you've been saying. Uh, there were three teams that had two players shooting. I think it was over 40% on like six or seven three-point attempts per game. And it was funny enough, the Pacers with Halliburton and Buddy. Uh, the Kings with Herder and Keegan, Steph and Clay. And the volume for the Warriors with Steph and Clay was just ridiculous. They're both over 10 inches per game, which the Kings don't have the volume match between Herder and Murray. But it's just so interesting that of the three teams, two of them are facing off against each other. So if it does turn into a shootout, which I think the Kings don't necessarily want it to just be a three-point shootout because that's a hard game to win against the Warriors, but they do have the firepower 
to kind of stay in the game if it turns into that. As always, I want to say thank you to Will for joining me uh, for another episode. Hopefully that provided you with some fun stats leading up to Saturday's game. And if you're not already following him, um, which I find hard to believe right now, again, go check out Will Z on stats or you can find him every week on um, D'Lo and Casey with Damian and Kenny. and. We're excited, right? 17 years in the making. Um, I will now be there for game one. And uh, so if anyone sees me around, don't be afraid to say hi. Just enjoy it, right? Whatever happens, it's been 17 years. Let's enjoy ourselves. And as always, go Kings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.